Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Hey everyone, Ellie here, wishing you a very happy Labor Day weekend. I can't believe the summer has already come and just about gone. Uh, quite a summer, huh? Uh, we had four indictments, I guess, if you count back to April. Three of them landed this summer. And the whole legal and political landscape has changed now. And I think this will be the driving story in both the legal and political worlds, really all the way through and maybe beyond the 2024 election. As always, I'm really grateful that you're here to share it with me. And I do love hearing your thoughts, questions, or comments. So please keep sending them in to letters at cafe.com. Nothing much happened at my first ever courtroom appearance as a federal prosecutor for the Southern District of New York many, many years ago. So little, in fact, that sitting here now, I couldn't tell you the name of the defendant or precisely what business we handled. It was nothing much, scheduling of discovery or motions or some such. But I distinctly remember this. At the end of the proceeding, the judge asked me, government, anything more? It felt like we were done, so I said, no, your honor. The judge raised her eyebrows in a don't-you-have-something-to-say-here manner that I now recognize was intended to help along a young pup. I glanced at my supervisor, who pulled me over and whispered, move to exclude time. I had no idea what that meant, and it must have shown. The supervisor repeated, mildly exasperated, just ask to exclude time. I then said just that out loud, Your Honor, I move to exclude time, with all the understanding of a parrot repeating human sounds. The judge nodded. Defense counsel chimed in. No objection. The judge granted whatever the hell I had just asked for, and we wrapped up. So here's what happened. I figured it out later. The Sixth Amendment to the Constitution grants any criminal defendant the right to a speedy and public trial. Implementation of that command varies by jurisdiction, and in the federal courts, the speedy trial clock provides the defendant the right to trial within 70 days of indictment. But no federal case goes to trial that quickly or really close to it. And that's because of the little dance that played out at the end of my first court appearance. The speedy trial clock, grounded as it is in our fundamental notions of swift and certain justice, has a pause button. In fact, that's essentially the only button you'll ever need to hit as a federal prosecutor, almost as if by rote at the end of nearly every court appearance, somebody, often the prosecutor, but sometimes the defense lawyer or the judge herself, will seek to exclude speedy trial time until the next court appearance. Everyone nods and consents, the pause button gets hit, rinse and repeat. This is not a lamentation. There are perfectly valid reasons to stop the speedy trial clock, most of them serving the interest of the defendant, who, after all, is the party that holds the right. Typically, the defense lawyer needs and wants more time to investigate, to serve subpoenas, to review discovery, and to prepare and litigate motions. Every federal defendant has that right to be tried quickly, but few exercise it. And even if a defendant did insist on trial within the set number of days, the 70 days, prosecutors might still seek to expand the time frame, and a judge likely would concur. But Georgia, 
is different. In its state version of the speedy trial law, any defendant can insist on trial in the two-month court term when an indictment is filed or by the end of the next one, which translated here means by November. That's precisely what Kenneth Cheesebro and Sidney Powell, two of Donald Trump's co-defendants in the election interference case brought by Fulton County DA Fonnie Willis, that's what they've requested. And this, folks, is a big deal. I don't know exactly why Cheesebro and Powell are so eager to face a jury, but I can see a few possibilities. Maybe they feel confident they can beat the case. Maybe they just want to get it over with either way and don't want it hanging over them. Maybe they think they can catch the DA flat-footed, unprepared to try the case that she charged. Occasionally, when I was a prosecutor, we joke that it's a good thing no defendant ever actually enforces their speedy trial rights because we'd be screwed. Though the two and a half years plus that Willis spent T-crossing and I-dotting before actually charging the case suggests she's had ample time to get ready. Note, by the way, that a defendant can withdraw a request for a speedy trial, and that could still happen here for Cheesebro and Powell, but let's assume for now that the status quo prevails. Bonnie Willis, for her part, did not blink, and she fired back that she wants to try all 19 defendants before Halloween of this year, starting on October 23rd, 2023. This was mostly for show. While a defendant certainly can insist on his speedy trial rights, a prosecutor cannot realistically force a defendant to trial so quickly in such a sweeping case against the defendant's will. If the defendant does not want to exercise that speedy trial, at least not without violating his right to fully prepare a defense. So, in all likelihood, we will see at least two separate successive trials in Georgia, one or maybe two for Cheesebro and Powell and perhaps other early birds, and another one or more much later for the rest of the pack, including likely Donald Trump. That is a massive tactical advantage for Trump and the rest who get to go later, because now the defense teams for Trump and the others get to sit back and watch the DA's office put on its case in advance. They'll see the prosecution's witnesses. What do the witnesses say? How are they cross-examined? Keep in mind, even the most credible witness will tell a story slightly differently each time, providing more fodder for cross-exam in subsequent trials. What are the evidentiary strengths and vulnerabilities? Where did the defense land its punches? What documents did the DA rely on? How did the prosecutors argue the case to the jury? What themes did they stress or de-emphasize? What resonated and what flopped? Any defense lawyer will tell you it's a strategic bonanza. There's a good reason why if, for example, the Philadelphia Eagles play the Minnesota Vikings in week two, which they do, both teams will have squadrons of advanced scouts watching the other team play in week one. But here, the scouting edge is one-sided. Defense lawyers can learn everything or nearly everything by sitting in the gallery and watching the prosecution try its case against any other defendant. But prosecutors will learn little about Trump's defense by seeing Cheeseboro's or Powell's defense. Sure, there will be marginal differences in how the prosecution presents its case, depending on the particular defendant or defendants sitting at the table. But the core of the DA's case will remain the same. These people work together as an organization to steal the election. Fonnie Willis has chosen to file racketeering charges against all 19 defendants, alleging that they acted together to commit common criminal ends. There are tactical advantages to Willis's broad stroke approach, to be sure. Most importantly, she gets to prove to the jury the full scope of the structure, the personnel, and activities of the charged Trump election theft enterprise. As a necessary result, however... She can't go into the first trial and seek to prove the charges narrowly against Cheesebro or Powell. Willis has charged them with being part of that racketeering enterprise, so she's going to need to prove it in full. The DA has not given herself the option of trying individual defendants with a scalpel. She has charged this case with a sledgehammer, and now that's what she has to use. 
Cheesebro and Powell may come to regret their decisions to forge ahead quickly, or they might find prompt vindication. The outcome remains uncertain. But there's no question that by invoking their speedy trial rights, they've complicated matters for Willis, and they've done a substantial tactical favor for Donald Trump. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Stay safe and stay informed. <laughs>